Hello. Hello. Okay, now we only have to wait for one more to join. Um, and it automatically records, so. Okay. Um, yeah. I think, I think we can cut it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really hope it's not a only one person can join at a time thing. Oh, yes. Hey. What? Hey. So, I guess we can start now. Yeah, we can hear you. Uh oh. Can you not hear us, Bavika? Mitchell, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, I can hear you too. I don't know why she can't hear us. Um, okay. Yeah, rejoin. Shall we join? So, to start this, do we want to read the poem, or we just jump um, in? You should probably explain what you thought of the title. Yeah, alright. And then we'll read it, and then... Yeah. Alright, I hear you guys now. You can? Great. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Mitchell's gonna explain the title first. Perfect. Okay, um, sorry, sorry to interrupt, but so do you want to say the title and then do you want me to talk about the author? Sure, yeah. Okay. Here's, we'll start now. Uh, Perfidy by D.H. Lawrence, 1885-1930. So the title, when I first heard it, I've heard perfidy and perfidious before in other literary works, and I know it connects to deceitful or... Uh, something evil and being nerdy as I am I connected it to the emperor from the Star Wars saga he's very deceitful and he's very evil and he acts with great evil and lives in the shadows to act on his plans and I believe that the evil undertones to the poem will or of the emperor will reflect on the poem through the connection of those words Um, I believe perfidy would probably describe a character in the poem or something that the, the character does or something narrator has done uh, what do you guys think um at first glance i didn't know what perfidy meant i've never heard that before so i googled it and i found out that it kind of just means deception in general and then there was also a more specific definition so it's when uh during war someone promises to act in good faith with the intention of going back on that promise as soon as the other side is exposed. So I wonder if this poem uh, could be about war 
like figurative or a little war, someone like some kind of situation with two opposing sides. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, I also didn't know what it meant, so it's cool that you did. That's really neat. Um, Vivika, do you want to explain the author's background a little bit? Mm-hmm. So, D. H. Lawrence, he was a um, an English person who was born in nineteen or sorry eighteen eighty five. And he's uh, more well-known as, like, a novelist and a short story writer. These poems were his initial, um, like, this is initially how he began writing. So his childhood was, um, you know, mostly in England, and he wasn't very rich or anything. His uh, father was a minor, and he didn't even uh, continue, like, finish high school. And someone tutored him, some friend he had, and he kind of encouraged his writing. So instead of becoming like a common clerk or something, he became uh, a teacher. And then later in his life, he ended up um, quitting teaching and he eloped to Europe with uh, Frida Weekly, who was a German um, lady who was actually already married to someone else. So, you know, his whole life was kind of controversial especially because of his uh, marriage to someone who was already married and then World War One started and because his wife was German, they kind of faced some discrimination and he was like ill with tuberculosis his whole life. So he also wrote very often about kind of controversial things. So that's his background. Nice. Um, I'll just read through the poem so that we have that on here. Um hollow rang the house when I knocked on the door and I lingered on the threshold with my hand a praise to knock and knock once more listening for the sound of her feet across the floor how hollow re-echoed my heart the low hung lamps stretched down the road with shadows drifting underneath with a soft with a music of soft melodious feet quickening my hope as I hastened to meet the low-hung light of her eyes. The golden lamps down the street went out. The last car trailed the night behind. And I, in the darkness, wandered about with a flutter of hope and of dark-shut doubt in the dying lamp of my love. Two brown ponies trotted slowly, stopped at a dim-lit trough to drink trow. Uh, the dark van drummed down the street distance slowly while the city stars so dim and holy drew nearer to search through the streets a hastening car swept shameful past and I saw her hid in the shadow I saw her step to the curb and fast run to the silent door where last I had stood with my hand uplifted she clung to the door in her haste to enter entered and quickly cast it shut behind her leaving the street aghast Mm -hmm. so i can go ahead and uh, kind of paraphrase what happened so in this poem we have the speaker he's a person waiting at the door of the house with someone he loves initially so he knocks on the door but there's no response and he's saying that the house rings hollow with his rock with his knock sorry and his heart re-echoes the sound so he's waiting for her. He's waiting for footsteps as she would, you know, that would sound as she came and opened the door, but these footsteps never come. And he's kind of upset by this. And so he just kind of turns around and he 
observes his surroundings. It's very late at night and everyone's going home and he starts to wonder about the streets and he feels both hopeful and doubtful that she'll return. And near the ending, she does come back, but she comes very secretively and quickly goes inside and shuts the door. And the seeker's left um, in his own words, he's left aghast. Okay. That's pretty good. I, I like that paraphrasing. Um, so I found a lot of words with strong connotation. Um, so my, like for the first, um, the first five lines, um, the speaker repeated hollow twice, um, which, which gives the connotation of like a little bit empty or hopeless. Um, and he, and hollow reechoed my heart. And you can tell, like, he's feeling really desperate and hopeless. Um, and then later, there's another part that's repeated twice, which is low-hung lamps, which is also repeated as low-hung light. Um, and those are also kind of sad, depressing, um, like, just, like, sad and depressing words, like the low-hung light, which is which is like the opposite of something really bright and impressive and, and loving. Um, he also used the word hope and music's soft and melodious. Um, how do you spell that word? Melodious? Yeah. Okay. Um, and it's just, it's kind of, it's kind of slow and soft. Um, and then in the next part, um, there's, he says the word dying lamp, the dying lamp of my love. Um, which is which is connecting to his like depression about his love because I think the speaker's starting to feel like because she's not showing up she's he's getting more and more upset and um, the the light of their love is going out as like a metaphor. Um, yeah, and um, not to interrupt, but I think it's worth mentioning also how, like you said, it's connected to its hope. So the low hung lights are in her eyes so that's kind of representative of their love and the hope but then the lamps are going out at the same time that the speaker is becoming more doubtful and less sure of his love yeah yeah exactly exactly um he also says in that in that part the last car trailed and the night behind darkness wandered it's very slow like like middle of the mm-hmm. night kind of feeling where nothing's really happening um, and he's just getting more and more sad, wandering around alone. And then in the next part, two brown ponies, ponies trotting slowly. I, I, th- he repeats slowly twice, and then he repeats mm-hmm. dim twice. Stopped at the dim lit trough to drink. Um, trough, and the city trough. Oh, thank you. Um, mm-hmm. And the city stars so dim and holy. Um, and they're dim. Like stars are not, aren't normally described as dim either. Um, mm-hmm. and then, so this whole part, I also, I'm also going to explain a little bit of attitude. This whole part kind of feels slow and, um, depressed because it's, it's just a bunch of lights going out. Everything's slowing down. The, it's getting darker. It's getting quieter. Um, and then at this next part, a hastening car swept shamefully past. There's, there's the word shadow, um, curb and fast, silent to the door. Um, she clung to the door in her haste. 
quickly and then it shut behind her leaving the street aghast so i think this whole last bit is like has a tone of of oh my god and like um he he feels he feels aghast also the street feels aghast um because it's it's very quickly happening she just quickly tries to hide and and skirt in the shadows and 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 leave him there um go ahead yeah so i felt i I agree with that i also felt that the the author was like lost the entire time he kept jumping back and not back and forth but he kept like talking about how he loves the show and then how he feels doubt and he just felt like he felt lost between both those things like he feels lost on the street with the low hung lights and the like Mm -hmm. the surroundings i think that just reflects his attitude of like you said depression and just like I don't know, loneliness. Yeah. yeah, I think it's important what you said, Isabella, how, um, you know, there's the whole middle part is all about how slow everything is around him. And then, like, the lady returns, and all of a sudden, it's very fast. It's moving very quickly. Like, there's a definitely, like, an intentional contrast there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I didn't think about the word lonely. Mitchell, that's good. Um. Do you want to explain um, the the shifts or? Right, yeah, yeah. So, um, I didn't think there was there were really any like major shifts. Um, I thought there's some things I could talk about how like the focus of the the past of the poem kind of shift around. So initially we're starting out and it's all like I knocked on the door, I lingered on the threshold, listening, like I was listening. So it's all very centered around the speaker's actions and then like hollow re-echoed my heart. It's all centered around his actions and his feelings and then his hopes, all of that stuff. But then towards the middle of the passage, it kind of shift to be more focused on his surroundings and what he's seeing like the ponies and the cars and uh, the city stars like it goes kind of outward from his point of view to like the more omniscient point of view and then even like at the very ending when he's talking about the lady coming back you don't really actually get a lot of his emotion there he doesn't say I was shocked or I was hurt the only thing we get is leaving the street I guess so rather than him being aghast it's the street being left aghast which is um definitely kind of important i think that you know shift from his feelings to everything going on around him yeah um, yeah Yeah. well okay um i felt that yeah you're right it shifts to like not talking about him i think that was because he was so surprised or like he was just left cold like he doesn't maybe when like when you're really surprised you don't know how to think you don't know how to act i think that's what mm-hmm. was going through the poem like he every all of his emotions just stopped he just was so he was frozen and the only thing that was moving was the the street the lights the, the cars the horses whatever I would um, yeah. sorry, sorry, go ahead. I would I would say like it was just this last line where he kind of um starts 
disassociating with himself. Because before that, he, he does this, I saw her run into the shadows. I had stood with my hand uplifted. Um, which And he just stands there with his hand uplifted. So I think you're dead on, right, about him being shocked and just kind of, like, um, stuck in place. Um, and then And then he definitely disassociates by saying, leaving the street aghast. Um, mm-hmm. which which kind of connects, I'm just realizing, to the stars are drawing near to search through the streets, like, um, like as if the environment was also looking for this woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he kind of puts his own feelings into the entire environment. And um, I know that sometimes uh, irony can also indicate a shift I don't know if that necessarily happens here, like if this is an actual shift, but there's definitely irony uh, near the very ending. It says that both the the beginning of the poem and the ending of the poem parallel each other. Well, the beginning is all hopeful. And it's like, I was lingering on the threshold, like with my hand upraised to knock. But at the ending, you know, she, the the loved one, she stands there at the door with her hand upraised, like in the same way that, um, he had done so earlier, but at this point, he doesn't have hope anymore. Now he's all like, he's shocked and he's sad. So that's a really important parallel between those two, uh, like scenes. Yeah. So we have about um, like three-ish minutes left. Uh, Mike, I mean Mitchell, sorry. Um, if you want to take that time. I, yeah, I got it. All right. So the title, we revisit the title. So after reading the poem. I do believe that I, my first interpretation of the title was correct. The title was more about betrayal of the heart rather than physical evil, Evil though, which was kind of, I don't know if that was my, I kind of thought of physical evil at the beginning. But uh, so the title is a description of a character's actions, his love's actions. Uh, she's acting perfidious and betraying his love. Uh, not really betraying it. He feels betrayed. She's just avoiding him. The actions of the narrator's love connect that she doesn't love him as he does her. Her ability to reflect on his love feels like a deceitful, uh, perfidious, using the title, thing was done to his heart. It feels like it was tampered with. It feels like it was attacked. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I also want to just point out, like, earlier, excuse me, puppy, that's enough. Um, earlier, Bavika said, like, she looked up the word and it meant um, like deceiving knowing that you're about to deceive and I just think that connects because this 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 love knows that she's deceiving this guy and she's doing it anyway like she planned on it mm-hmm. it wasn't an accident mm-hmm. obviously she feels guilty otherwise she wouldn't be like so quick and so like you know suspicious mm-hmm. So the theme, uh, I thought the theme was unrequented unrequited love can create feelings of emptiness and darkness in the individual soul and can make the individual feel as though a heinous act of violence had been done upon the heart. Not physical violence, but emotional or like mental. Uh, I, emptiness, so some quotes I found for emptiness were the hollow rang the house when I knocked on the door, hollow re-echoed my heart. So he, he repeats hollow a lot, how it feels like it's 
it's just surface level or like there's nothing inside which could relate to her love she's not showing any like she's not showing it back so it just it's empty there's nothing there for him and then darkness uh he talks about the the lamps a lot the low-hung lamps stretch down the road with shadows drifting underneath uh, and I, in the darkness, wandered about with a flutter of hope and dark shut, doubt in the dying lamp of my love, uh, stopped at a dim-lit trough to drink. The dark band drummed down the distance slowly while the city stars so dim and holy drew nearer to search through the streets. A hastening car swept shameful past. I saw her hid in the shadows. Um, this darkness can relate to his his feelings at the moment. He feels like there's a great depression darkness being put over him and his love uh i like how he uses low hung lamps because though lamps are when they're close to the ground you'll you don't get as much light and i feel that the light is his love and the rest is hers like there's no light coming from the outside so he's the only one showing light on the love and darkness just it reflects him while emptiness reflects her and the hollowness connects to the lovely too, how it is not equal between both characters, like I said. And darkness is the narrator, and his feelings are the love's perfidious acts of betrayal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's, I agree with you mostly. I do think it's about how uh, love one lying to you can make you feel like you've been betrayed or hurt a lot. I don't know fully if it's about unrequited love because uh, I don't know if the, like what, we don't really know their history. So I don't know if you meant that in the sense that like, um, like he was trying to get her to fall in love with him and she didn't like him back. Or if you meant like she was acting like she did love him back, but she truly didn't. We only see one side. So I think, I was just basically mm-hmm. basic, like basing it off his side on the coins of love. He's showing love, she's not. So I don't really know. We don't know the full story, but that's just how he's like interpreting it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I really like how you picked up on the metaphor, um, like how he's the only one that has any love. Mm-hmm. Um, because I didn't think of it. I, I was just definitely associating... Um, the light to his love but i didn't think about the fact that her dark like the darkness around the light could also represent her lack of um her lack of love for him okay um so is that it yeah it's about 15 yeah i think we can wrap it up all right cool Okay. All right. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.